Hi, I'm A. Martinez from Longmire, and I'm the guest today on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And here we are, getting ready for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 577 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have A. Martinez joining us. Now, of course, he was in the Cowboys way, way back with John Wayne, just when he was a little kid, and he is now in Cowboy Bebop, and also he is in coming up in Ambulance, the Michael Bay movie, and uh, also he's in The Bay, uh, on The Bay, which is a TV show, and uh, he's uh, he was on Santa Barbara and all sorts of the soap operas and everything, so uh, we're going to be Finding out a lot of information about A coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. I'm sure you've seen him in many, many things. Longmire and uh, also, you know, just so many other shows. So uh, we got a lot of good things to talk to A about. That's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And if you are looking for a stocking stuffer, why don't you get the digital copy of Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm for your little ones. That's right. That'd be the perfect gift. It's an animated musical that uh, I myself was the director and was also the writer of the show. I created the characters and everything. And uh, it is out now. It's in theaters right now and also on demand. So you can pick that up. Uh, Apple TV has it and also uh, Amazon Prime. And, and, and it's on all sorts of things. So you can check it out. And, uh, you know, it'd be a great stocking stuffer for the little ones if you uh, have grandkids or kids, whatever. So uh, check that out. And uh, a lot of things going on. We've got uh, some guests coming our way. It's getting uh, about the time. Shortly, we will be having a break for the holiday season, Christmas and everything else, New Year's. And then we'll come back and do some more shows. And uh, it just keeps rolling and rolling on. So uh, a lot of great, interesting people coming your way from On Screen and Beyond in 2022. It's, it's almost here. So uh, we, uh, but uh, we still got some more episodes. But right now we have to get into Remake Madness because we got to get this show starting. Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like Nicolas Cage will star in a remake of the Dracula story. And this one's going to be called Renfield. And it's uh, also going to have Aquafina as uh, a part of the cast. So be sure to check that one out when it gets here. And a remake of White Men Can't Jump is in the works over at 20th Century. And in development is a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which was, of course, a Steve Martin movie. And that's it for remakes. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's time for upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well, a biopic of pop star Robbie Williams is due to start filming soon, and it's called Better Man. Tony Collette and Anna Ferris and Thomas Hayden Church are set to star in a comedy called The Estate. It's about two sisters who learn their wealthy estranged aunt is terminally ill. 
Look for Gerard Butler to star in a new action movie called Kandahar. And filming has started on that one. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, a new Magic Mike sequel is in the works over at Warner Brothers, and it's called Magic Mike's Last Dance. I will bet that that is not going to be the last one. But anyways, uh, Channing Tatum will also be returning on that, and Sonic Hedgehog 2 arrives on April 8th, and Thor Love and Thunder arrives on July 8th. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, well, Riverdale Season 5 is going to be hitting DVD on uh, January 18th. Also look on January 18th for Dynasty Season 4 as it arrives. And Animal Kingdom Season 5 strolls on to DVD on January 18th also. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, it looks like on January 11th, Dune will be landing on Blu-ray, DVD, 3D, and 4K. On January 18th, you can look for The Addams Family 2 as it makes its way onto DVD and Blu-ray. And After We Fell comes to DVD and Blu-ray on February 8th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, Lego Masters has been renewed for a third season over at Fox. And The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel will be returning on February 18th on Amazon. And Ozark Season 4 comes to Netflix on January 21st. And sadly, Arlene Dahl has passed away at the age of 96. She was uh, the mother of actor Lorenzo Lamas. And she is also known for her role in the 1959 sci-fi classic Journey to the Center of the Earth. And Eddie Mecca, who was known for his role as Carmine Ragusa on Laverne and Shirley, has passed away at the age of 69. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have A. Martinez coming our way. His latest movies and shows are uh, The Bay Cowboy Bebop, he's going to be in the ambulance coming up. He was on Santa Barbara. So many things he was on. A. Martinez got a good talking with him next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an Emmy-winning actor who we've seen on Santa Barbara, General Hospital, One Life to Live, L.A. Law, Profiler, and so many others. His early start was opposite legend John Wayne in The Cowboys. And you can see him now on Netflix in Bebop Cowboys as Mr. Stax, and in February in the new Michael Bay film Ambulance, and soon on the next season of The Bay. It's A. Martinez. A, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thank you, Brian. Good to be here, man. Now, A, I mean, looking at what you've 
done in the past and and what you're, you've got coming up and everything. It's, it's just incredible, the, the things that you've done over the years. Yeah, I've been uh, very, very lucky, you know. I got some uh, early breaks when I needed them, yeah. and then I uh, slowly sort of figured out how it is to do it. I, I got this gig on Santa Barbara uh, against my, you know, I didn't want to do it. I thought, I don't want to go to a soap opera. That's not a good place for serious actors to be because I was so foolish in my younger days. And I, um, I and really doing that show sort of taught me how to do it. And then I've been able to string together enough work to keep going. And occasionally I've had a nice um, nice flow, you know, a nice bloom of opportunity. And, and I seem to be in one of those right now. So it feels really wonderful after all these years. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Santa Barbara. Uh, of course, you were there for a long time and all those different uh, episodes you did. But, uh, I mean, is there a soap opera that you did not work on? I mean, I'm looking here and <laughs> I see your, your name on all kinds of soaps. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There was a story going around back in the day, if, which was that if you, if, you hit, if you hit it, if you really surfaced in a soap, you'd be assured, be assured of a lifetime of, of employment because at that time there was maybe 20 different soaps across the networks. And, um, you know, there was so much work to be had uh, if, if you demonstrated that you could handle the pace of it because not everybody can. But, of course, over the course of the years, that world has um, has shrunk, and now there's only four of them. And yeah. you know, it gets to the point where, you know, that original fantasy is not not really true but i got no beef you know I, I i consider myself very lucky that i got to do the things i got to do when i did and i think i learned uh in a in a, in a timely fashion to get ready for the next thing to do so yeah. I, i'm all good yeah did you find it different uh being on a soap compared to you know any of the other shows that you've been on i mean i mean like you say it's, it seems to be a grueling pace is that correct yeah, it's a grueling pace. You're shooting, in our case, we were shooting an hour show every single day. And, um, you know, it's it's not something that is easy to get on top of. I had to work really hard to develop a skill set to handle it. But it still comes down to um, the basic uh, tasks of acting. And, you know, once you can find a way to learn the new stuff quickly enough, um, then you can go about the business of acting. And one of the things that was really nice about it that actually I considered to be easier than working in, say, nighttime TV or, or shooting films is that it's shot live on a stage. You know, there's multiple cameras and, and it's being cut in real time as you perform the scenes. So you never have to think about, you know, what did I do in the master shot or the two shot now that it's my close up? I don't have to worry about matching anything because we're doing this in the moment. And whatever we do, if some surprise comes up, we can just write it because it's only going to happen this once. And there's a great freedom in that. I love it, actually. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned surprise. Is, can you think of any things that, you know, happened in, in, in all the years that you've been, been acting on, on those uh, soaps and things like that? Is there anything that, you know, comes to mind and like, oh, boy, that was <laughs> that was something? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I sort of draw, draw a blank when I think of anything dramatic, but... I particularly worked with an actress named Marcy Walker for years. Oh, yeah. She and I were a couple on Santa Barbara. And, you know, she's amazingly um, uh, fluid and lives in the moment. She's a great, great actor. 
And uh, occasionally, you know, something, we'd, we'd make a plan, we'd rehearse, we were always really w- well prepared. But occasionally on the stage, something would just come into her mind uh, to play something differently than we had planned. And I was able to just go with that. And we did that all the time. It's one of the reasons that we were successful as, uh, as actors, as a couple, mm-hmm. is that we really did uh, respond to each other. We were living it as we did it. We were, we were in the moment, as they say. Wow. And so that was you know, something I loved and something that was harder for me to get to in the other aspects of the business. So yeah. I, was, I was grateful for being able to do it when I could. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your new stuff coming. That's it's that's out now and coming up. Uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop, man. Yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. It's, it's 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 taken the world pretty much. I mean, it's it's in the top ten in seventy countries right now. Wow. And, um, it was number one TV show in America. What last I looked, and it's just uh, they've done a masterful job. Netflix has of marketing it. Um, it has a built-in audience uh, because of the anime. It was originally based on that. That's a 20-year-old uh, project. It was 26 episodes made of this anime that is widely beloved all around the globe. And one of the problems that has come with that um, that sort of head start is that a lot of the people who love the anime were very skeptical about uh, the wisdom of trying to remake it as a live project. I guess a lot of Similar attempts have fallen flat, and so much skepticism, and sometimes actually outright anger that anybody would have the nerve to try to do this. But a lot of those people have been won over uh, by the the loving care that was taken. Uh, John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, Daniela Pineda, Alex Hassel, Elena Satin played the five leads, and they're just phenomenal. They're well cast. Um, the the spirit of the anime is uh, has been honored to the degree that it's possible to do when you're dealing with three dimensional creatures instead of drawings. Mm-hmm. But and they brought the genius music composer, this um, jazz legend Yoko Kano, who did the original score and is one of the reasons that the show was so widely beloved. They brought her back, and she brought all the same musicians who played in the anime 20 years ago, and they're all. They're all older. They're twenty years older, but they haven't. They've gotten better, if anything. So the mu- the music is phenomenal, and you know that's like a, a dream that's happening right now in the world. Yeah. Now I know the producers and the the director and everything must feel that pressure of you know okay, you're making Cowboy Bebop. You got to do it right, otherwise you know these fans are gonna you know blow up. Uh, but oh, I know. D- does it go down to the actors too? Do you guys feel that pressure? Yeah, definitely. And of course, I'm I'm j- just someone who appeared, although pivotally, uh, in, in a single episode that sort of explains the backstory of why the um, two two of the male leads are in such uh, such brutal antagonism toward each other. And and I I know that um, if I were charged with such a task, it would just blow my mind. I can't imagine the nerve it takes to wade into something like this with so much attention focused on you and so much of it um, delivered with anger. You know, it's, it takes a, a really strong-willed person. And the guy, there's a whole bunch of them, but the, the guy who ran the show is a guy named Andre Nemec. And, uh, you know, he wrote one of the last Mission Impossible movies. He's, he's, he's the real deal in terms of having a legitimate career as a, as a creator. Mm-hmm. And he's brave. Um, I had heard through uh, 
the grapevine that he had me in mind for a part once he was, you know, once he'd gotten the gig to do this. And I thought, well, how beautiful that a dude like that would actually want to give me uh, something to do, would trust me to do something on something so high profile like that. And But, you know, you hear stories once in a while that somebody has singled you out for a future um, opportunity, and mostly they don't happen. So I just sort of filed it away and was was happy for the for the gesture of respect but it turned out that he meant it hmm. and uh when he called up my agents they were saying what's this you know this guy this guy says he has a part for you and you have to go to new zealand for two months and i thought yep send me the script and, and get book my flight because i'm gonna go i can tell you right now <laughs> so it was in new zealand they filmed this yeah they started filming it in new zealand back in the day which ended up being a blessing because they built built all these amazing sets and you know this massive airplane hangar down there and and, and then of course john cho who plays the lead suffered a, a pretty serious injury and they had to shut down for a while after they had just started and and you know it was really difficult to have something with so much invested in it stop dead in its tracks and then on the heels of that COVID hit so it, it, there was many, many pathways by which the project could have fallen apart. But Netflix had faith in the project, and the producers had faith in John Cho, thank God. And, you know, they finally came back, and because of New Zealand's situation on the globe, they were in better shape regarding COVID than just about any place. You know, when yeah. COVID hit, they shut the country down, and they, you know, they didn't let anybody come in, and they gave everybody money, and... and carried on and then when when it came time for people to come in to do you know what they called um imperative work like continuing these projects because all the local people that were working on them they made all of us go into quarantine for two weeks in a hotel and uh you know we we stayed in our rooms except we could go outside and walk around but we stayed in our rooms to be safe and and in auckland where i was uh living those uh, those uh those uh two months there were only four cases of covid reported the entire time and that was from police officers or military officers who actually were manning the quarantine and caught it from a passenger that came in and spread it amongst themselves Hmm. yeah it was great it it seems like more and more shows and movies are being filmed down in New Zealand. Is that, is that correct? Or am I just <laughs> thinking? Yeah, it may be true. You know, I'm not really sure what the numbers are, you know, Brian, but the, you know, if you've ever, you know, as soon as I looked at those Peter Jackson movies, you know, and you see, you see that scenery and you're going, what is that? Right? Yeah. I mean, there, there are places down there that are just breathtaking in terms of how lush they are and the undulations. It's just an exquisite place, you know, it's, it draws people with cameras, that's for sure. Yeah, wow. Now, what about ambulance? Uh, well, you know, uh, I feel, I feel, I'm not sure about this, but I think that the fact that I was down there working on that show, which people understood to be something with a real big upside, helps me get ambulance because like every other audition throughout this, this siege we've been undergoing, you have to do your own audition. You have to, you know, film, film yourself and send it in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the things they ask you on the slate is they say, "Well, where are you, and where are you based?" So, 
after I did my audition for Ambulance, I got my son actually to um, to play Jake Gyllenhaal, and he recorded Jake Gyllenhaal's side of my audition and, and sent it to me from Los Angeles. And I, I, I dropped his lines into um, I did my my part of the audition, leaving spaces for when I knew that Jake's character would be talking. So my son did that for me. Big solid from my son. Did a good job. And when the when the audition was over, I was able to, um, you know, walk up to the camera and say, "I'm A Martinez, and I'm uh, I'm based in Los Angeles, and I'm currently in New Zealand because I'm working." And I think when you say you're working, that's a magic word when you're auditioning. I think that it makes it it makes people just sort of assume something good about you if you can say you're working as opposed to saying. And I'm available whenever you need me. That that's not as good a mm-hmm. <laughs> statement to make. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's funny to hear you say though. You know, you had to announce. You know, say on the thing that you were a Martinez, and it's like, who wouldn't know you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, bless your heart, man. Bless your heart. Yeah, I've been around a long time. At this point, you know, you start getting, you start getting credit for uh, just showing up. And it's funny, I heard. Uh, through the grapevine again, this big grapevine all the time. I I heard that that the um, person who was casting it had a history when she started off in the casting business that she actually worked on Santa Barbara for a while. Ah. So she was familiar with me back in the day, and um, and sort of sold Michael Bay on the thing that this guy is so cool, and even after all these years, he has not fallen apart. So you, he's really still got his mojo going. So you should you should take a look at him. And and Michael really appreciated that. And it's really you know he's an amazing uh, director. He 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 keeps you know he's got a camera on his own shoulder when he's when he's working with you. He's looking at you through the lens, you know. And he's he's um, he's so fluid. He thinks of things in a moment. One day some. Some other actors were late coming back for lunch, and I was there, and he said, let's do something, man. What do you want to do? Let's do something. And I said, well, there's this big, scary-looking knife on my desk. We could do something with that. He goes, yeah, let's go. Let's shoot it. <laughs> stuff like that, right? And he'd say stuff like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing the camera to you in this moment, and I want you to do something with your body in physical counterpoint to the camera landing on you. And just so happens that, Back on Santa Barbara, we had a director by the name of Michael Gliona, who did stuff like that all the time. You know, he'd come in once every eight or nine shows, and he would just he would just paint with the camera, and he'd ask you to do things that you couldn't possibly prepare for when you're l- learning the scene and learning your lines. He'd have you do things in physical space to create a, a visual energy and, and a certain poetry to it that was outside of the realm of anything that we were expecting we do. And of course his shows were always the shows that we submitted when we were trying to get an Emmy. Um, they were so beautiful. And he trained all of us to, um, to think of the work as, you know, in the moment, this, this component of, of choreography, choreography to it. That is not just like the blocking, uh, you walk here and you walk there. And so I felt like I had lucked out in, um, in being well-trained in the same gig that made me, made him interested me in the first place. It was felt like full circle. Hmm. Now, even an actor who's done so much as you have, uh, to get to work with Michael Bay still had to 
you know, charge you up, I would imagine, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was really excited to get it, and I and I loved the fact that um, he uh, he admired me for being uh, old school. You know, mm-hmm. when uh, when I didn't from the get when when I when I felt I didn't do it as well as I needed to do it, or when I had an idea, I would ask for another another take, even though he was satisfied, and he would give it to me. And uh, that was just a gesture of respect for, you know, how long I've been around and how long, long I've done it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, that is, is the key to um, acting, and it's been a blessing during the pandemic where you're shooting your own auditions and you can shoot as many takes as you want to do exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're driving back on the freeway going, ah, oh, damn, I wish I would have thought of that in the room, you know? Yeah. You can actually, because when you do the work, you learn it's it's in the process of doing the work that you learn what is possible to do in this particular work so you know as you go on the stage and you're and you know every time you do it something occurs to you that maybe didn't occur to you before and i so loved that he allowed me to um to do it again when i needed to toward the end i said i need another one and he really liked what i did and i said he said why and I said, you know, I can't tell you, but I do need another one. And the one he let me do after that is the one he put in the movie. So, hmm. you know, bless him. Wow. Now, can you give us an idea of what the, the movie Ambulance is about? Yeah. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal and his uh, uh, his brother, who was adopted by his family when, when they were boys, um, set off to um, rob a bank. And the... Uh, the heist goes sideways, and um, somebody gets hurt, an ambulance comes, and the only way they can get out of that bank is to um, commandeer that ambulance. And so they basically hijack the ambulance and take it into the L.A. freeways and try to get away. And um, I think there was a, there was a movie made in, in Holland back in the day mm-hmm. that preceded it and had the same name and sort of the same rough idea. Yeah. But of course, Michael Bay's version is a whole other animal, and then it's uh, it's it's just that it's a heist gone sideways. Yeah. Huh. Wow. And, and what's your part in that? Can you tell? Can you tell us that, or can't? Yeah, do yeah at this I point? can. <laughs> I, I can. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm, I just want to actually can tell you. It's like I played the 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 guy who functioned in Jake's life as his godfather, and uh, I, that, that's the way I I built the guy. I, I used to be in criminal enterprise with his father he learned to be a crook jake learned to be a crook at the foot of his dad trying to um, make peace with his dad i think on some level so i was uh, someone that had known him since he was a little boy and when he's in trouble uh, trying to get away get away from this bank and the world is chasing him he calls me and asks for me for my help hmm. so that's how i got drawn into it wow. and i'll say about him one of the hardest things about doing it is that we're shooting it in January when COVID was spiking in, in California. And um, the only way we could do it was by being scrupulous about our COVID protocols. So every single time you would do a scene, some uh, some representative of the, the protocol police would walk up and say, where's your mask? And, of course, then you have to remember, okay, where did I hide it? Because there's no place to hide it except somewhere on the set. Mm-hmm. And if you can't remember immediately, they put another mask in your hand. And so after every single scene, the first thing we did, and I'm not complaining. I'm so grateful we were doing that. But 
it made it so difficult because you realize that after you, you finish a scene, what you want to do is look at the other people's faces and start to read how it was for them. And instead, you don't get to see their faces until their faces are all covered up. Right. Um, so that was hard. But, but Jake, a couple of times, when I was sort of, sort of ambivalent about how things were going, he just stepped up to me, broke protocol, just stepped up, still masked up, both of us, but just stepped up to me and just leaned lean down and whispered something useful, you know, an observation or two into my ear. And that was such a grace, and I, um, I will always remember him for having done that for me. Hmm. He's, uh, he's a brilliant actor, and it was extremely um, welcome moments on his part. So that's coming out on February 18th. So uh, as far as I know, right? February 18th is... I think what I was told, and you may be right, Boy, I started to keep track of what's going on, but what I heard it was the 22nd so that they could use the the um, the hook of saying it's being released on 2222. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, everything is in such flux nowadays. I just, <laughs> you know, I, I read what uh, is sent to me and, you know, and I know that it's very possible it could be a week later or, you know, heaven forbid, it's going to be six months later, you know. I know, I know. And I'm, I'm so praying that, uh, that we don't lose the thread right now with the pandemic because it would be so great to be able to go see this in a theater. It's a gigantic movie and it deserves to be seen on a big screen. But you know, if we can't, it'll. I'll, I'll be happy to put it on my TV. So right. Yeah. It'll be great either way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Just, I mean, of course, I'm old school. So if you can see something uh, in the theater, that's where you want to see it first. You know, you it, see it on screen later, but to, you gotta see it. You know, the way it was intended. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, they they take such care to build this into into the you know the aspect of a spectacle. The sound is astonishing, and the I mean, I the, the things he he can imagine and pull off are just, you know, he's he's got a genius going, Michael Bay, and uh, mm. and it's it's you know it's it's remarkable to see what he what the languages he commands. Yeah, you know, I, I I just can't. I mean, if I'm on a plane or something, I'll watch it on my phone, a movie on my phone. But you know, I, I'm I, I guess I'm an old fart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, me both. I can't watch this. This is not the way you watch a movie. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I, I, I've sort of, once in a while, I mean, you know, obviously you learn to watch under TV these days, and I can even watch them sometimes if I'm pushed to shove, you know, on a plane on my computer or something. Mm-hmm. But but what, I, what blows my mind is people that can watch movies on a phone. I just, yeah. I just may, maybe it's just my eyes aren't good enough anymore, but I just think, I don't even know how to begin to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Freaks me out. Yeah. Well, what about uh, you're going to have another season of The Bay, I understand? Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Um, uh, Gregory, the, the uh, showrunner, called me and said, um, how would you like it if we brought your – my character plays a retired cop. And uh, how would you like it if we uh, brought you out of retirement and actually put you back into action? And I thought, oh, are you kidding me, man? That would be the coolest thing. Um because I, I haven't been doing anything like that on that show for quite a while. At the very beginning, the first time I came in, I, I came in to do a scene with my ex Santa Barbara castmate, Lane Davies, where, where he was, we did a little bit of, we had a little bit of um, 
antagonism between us um, based on the police and the way they weren't treating my daughter right and, and being an ex-cop, I knew that they weren't. And, and, but then after that, I, I graduated to pretty much uh, taking care of my family in the show. And then, and, uh, and then finally he came up with that, and I just thought, that's great. And this is the most I've ever done in a season. I did uh, seven episodes, and he announced me at the, uh, at the rap party as, uh, as a new regular on the show. So, you know, I feel like I've been embraced by that family. Yeah. It's a very um, warm place to work. You know, there's, there's enormous um, uh, sense of, of familial energy. There's a lot of respect and affection among the core people. This guy Christos, who plays the lead, is one of those wonderfully warm-hearted people that um, creates a, a, a welcoming vibe for everyone. Everybody who comes in there, whether they got a big part or not, you know, he personally welcomes them, gives them a hug, and looks them in the eye and lets them say something. You know, It's like a guy that, that is a great host. I think in my career, one of the things that you notice that that sets certain people apart is not only their talent in, in the work, but their their graciousness as a host, especially when they're in a position to sort of be the alpha character in the room. And, and how that person behaves sort of dictates what the experience is going to be like for a lot of other people. And, and he's one of those great, great hosts. So that the show benefits tremendously from the fact that he's in the position he's in. You know, I love, love working with him. Yeah, a couple of weeks, uh, a couple, probably a month or so ago, uh, I had the D'Ambrosio twins from the show. Oh yeah, the Bay. Yeah, yeah, they were on yeah. the, on my show, and uh, it was interesting. You know, one of them won an Emmy, so <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. And I I was actually I remember I remember the night of the Emmys. Uh, I was also nominated that night, and I remember walking up to her sister and just offering my fist so we could have fist bumps. Mm-hmm. Just let her know because that's got to be you know, really interesting kind of thing to go through with someone who is literally is so close to you to have right. <laughs> them singled out and you not. But the truth is that those kind of things are always beyond our control, and they're both wonderful actors. Yeah. I also noticed, speaking of Christos being a great host, the last time I was in the, the same room with those guys, I noticed them walk in and um, they just hugged him like uh, like you hug a brother. And, they're great. They're great people. Yeah. Well, I know. I know we're getting slow, uh, close to the end of time here, so I, I don't want to hold you up too much. But I, I gotta ask you about when you. F- I mean, there's so many other things I could, you know, Longmire and and everything else. But mm. but uh, how was it? And probably when you were so young that it didn't even phase you. But you worked with John Wayne. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. It so phased me. I want to tell you, I was, because uh, I'd seen every one of his movies when I was a kid. My daddy took us always to see him at the drive-in. And, uh, you know, we always had, we had to wear our pajamas because we'd fall asleep on the way home. And they, they, you know, it was easier for my parents to put us to bed. So my my impression of John Wayne was as a little kid in the back of my parents' station wagon in my pajamas watching him on the screen, you know. And, and you know, once, once, uh, an idea like that because you know originally you see these actors they're just ideas to you mm. and uh, it embedded so deep as some otherworldly level of power and romance and and, and uh, coolness and I and to actually 
come to come upon a person like that in real life is is hard um you know he's he he's huge too he's massive and i mean i just uh i didn't know what to say to the dude i was so <laughs> grateful i felt the same way you know when i met meryl streep um mm-hmm. uh you know you just people that you have that have have stirred up your emotional life so deeply that even though you know they're just pretending and it was a script and a story but they're the people that made that thing happen you were watching them when you felt a certain way and you know it's so hard to to be natural around people like that it's just you know how, where do you begin so i was grateful that i had a script and something to do and a task and, and stuff and you know, he taught me some stuff that I used for quite a while, but most most useful thing he taught me was how to fight for the movies. Uh, because I I had to fight Bobby Carradine in the movie, and of course, I'm going to fight him like I learned to fight, which is, you know, you get in and you get out. You know, you, 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 you're quick. You're in and you're out. You're in and you're out. You know, I'm not some big brawler guy that's going to, you know, overwhelm you with the, you know, some swinging roundhouse stuff. You know, I was going to come in and out. And he said, no, you, you can't do that. You're going to throw a punch for the movies. You've got to reach behind your head like a pitcher throwing a baseball and grab the ear way behind you and then step forward and follow through from all the way back there and follow through across the, the you know, the target of this person you're throwing the punch at. That's the way you fight for the movies. And I tell you what, I used that probably 20 times in the years since. And it always works. So I, I, I am forever indebted for him making me look a lot better in, uh, in fight scenes. And then the stunt coordinators of those other shows, once they've seen you do it on a show, they actually let you do a lot of your own stunts as opposed to, like, you know, have have a stuntman come in and, and, and move, move into your place when, when the action comes, which, when I was younger, I just loved so much. So yeah. bless his heart for teaching me that. Well, it's funny because I, I've also, from the Cowboys, I've also had Tim Matheson on, and oh, yeah. uh, Bruce Dern and mm. and director Mark Mark Rydell and and he actually oh. I asked him about you know how was it working with young kids and yeah. he says you guys were great so <laughs> he's, he complimented you guys oh he was so wonderful you know he was an actor himself back in the day mm. and a musician yeah. he played uh, jazz and 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 during the whenever I would get in trouble in the uh, in the in the work and other people too he would just walk up very much like what Jake Gyllenhaal did just just this last January. Just walk up and just like speak softly into your ear, something simple, and a light would go on. And I remember, you know, in the in the months after working with Rydell, when I'd be on the set of some TV show and the scene would be laying there dead, and I didn't know why, I would literally indulge in trying to imagine what Mark Rydell might say to me in a moment like that. So I loved him, and, and and beyond that, I think it's so great you had Bruce Dern on. I think listening to Bruce Dern is uh, a privilege. I when I wasn't working, uh, I rarely worked with him. I think I just worked on the sequence where, well, you know, I I, I was in scenes he was in, but I didn't have anything one on one until I actually shot the gun that made the horse run and pull him to his demise. Mm-hmm. But but I I would make it my business to be on the set when he was working. Because that was like going to school. Oh yeah. I remember. I remember when he put the, put the noose around Night Horse's neck uh, to lynch him. Uh, you know, um, excuse me, Nightlinger. <laughs> Night Horse is Jacob Night Horse of Longmark, whom I played. Nightlinger was the cook on on the Cowboys, and he was going to lynch him. And uh, and I I got there for that because 
you know, that scene stuck out in the script is going to be something amazing. Mm. He did a couple things that were astonishing. One is that he slapped Roscoe hard upside the face and Roscoe went into a state of rage. That's one thing that Bruce Dern indulged in. He, he took the method to the point of like making you extremely uncomfortable for the sake of the work. Roscoe's eyes were vi- vibrating with genuine rage. And then he started like haranguing him and he said all this nasty, terrible stuff to him. And I knew that none of it was in the script. Mm. And I, I, I looked at Radell and he's just nodding. He's in, uh, he's in a state of, of grace with the whole thing. And then they called take two and Bruce Dern harangues him with another horrible rant. That's not even the one he did the first time. It's a whole other improvisation. Jeez. And so, so you learn that uh, it's not necessarily that they're hiring you just to say the words on the page. What they're hiring you to do is to deliver uh, uh, a red-blooded creature in front of the camera, and that's what he did. He just was, you know, he was just fierce and like he's going to rise up and bring his particular set of tools to this task. You know, no no offense to the quality of the writing, which was just fine, mm-hmm. but there was something so feral and unforgettable about what he did, yeah. and you know, he's done that many, 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 many times over the course of many years, and he's a singular gift. Incredible actor. Yeah. Incredible actor. I mean, when you can, I mean, he's a nice guy, but when you hate him that much when he's on screen, you know, he is an actor, that's for sure. I know a lot of people told him, he says, that, you know, it was going to hurt his career for having killed John Wayne so brutally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can make that case that it might have. he he he. Things things didn't go real great for him at certain points in his journey. I thought when he got nominated for the Oscar for Nebraska, it just made me so happy. Yeah. You know, to know that after all these years, he's still held in the highest uh, regard by his uh, colleagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a, I, I, like I say, I could talk to you for hours because there's so much we could go over. But uh, mm. I, I know you got to go. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, but I'll be happy to come back if you ever got a slot sometimes. I love talking to you. I, I like your show. I've listened to it a few times. Uh, I'd, can I ask you one final question? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the one I usually end with is when you get to relax, what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, oh, gosh, you know, I... I watched Bonanza when I was a kid. We never missed that. And I I actually got to be on Bonanza and save Little Joe uh, from the evil sheriff played by Richard Kiley. And, of course, Little Joe was my favorite guy on Bonanza. So that was a dream come true. And it was like, you know, at the very beginning of my career. And I think now, um, uh, I I just think Cowboy Bebop is magic. We just finished watching that last night, actually. We loved it. And the thing we watched before that that um, that was really you know compelling to us was billions. I thought uh, I think I think that's just a just a wonderful show. My old acting teacher um, turned us onto that, and I, I really loved watching it. And I've got to say, um, Longmire, you know, we stopped shooting in uh, 2017, but in 2020. We were uh, in the top 10 streamed shows in the world still wow. three years Jeez. after we ended. Good and show. the reason for that is how, how good Longmire is, so yeah. bad. And then as a, as, a, um, as, a movie, as a movie, it would have to be It's a Wonderful Life, the Capra movie with uh, mm-hmm. James Stewart, Donna Reed. Yeah. 
I got to meet Jimmy Stewart at Bob Hope's 80th birthday party at NBC. I was oh, doing wow. Santa Barbara at the time, and they invited me to it. Or maybe some, I forget what I was doing, but they invited me to it. And I, um, I, I saw Jimmy in the audience, and, uh, and I just, you know, barged up to him. And he was tending his wife. He was get, getting her coat to her and get her, getting her ready to stand up from the table. And I just, you know, said, sir, I've got to tell you, It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite movie. And he was turning away as I said it and did something with her code and helped her. And then he turned back to me just a few seconds later. Uh, and there were already tears in his eyes. And he said, uh, well, son, it's it's my favorite movie, too. Hmm. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> you know? I would have expected it to be true, but it made me so happy to know that he... Um, he felt that way about it because that movie is something we watch every single year mm-hmm. and it, it reminds us all you know how lucky we are yeah yeah well a i cannot thank you enough for sharing with us and people should be sure to catch you on cowboy bebop also on the ambulance in february and also on the bay and uh, of course they can see all your old stuff too <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i'm getting credit for just, that i'm still showing up man i'm, I'm still showing up Well, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, man. Great talking to you. Have a good day. A. Martinez. Be sure to check him out on Cowboy Bebop right now. And he's going to be coming back on the bay, and he'll be in an ambulance coming up. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's February or whatever that that one's coming out. Uh, But look out for that one. And, of course, he's uh, been on so many other shows. It's fascinating talking with him. He's a great guy. A. Martinez, right here on On Screen and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. And uh, be sure to uh, keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. Tell a friend. Get the word out. You know, get the get these people listening to On Screen and Beyond because we got so many fascinating people, just like A., who we've done over the years here. We have uh, 577 episodes now, so uh, you know you can you can binge like crazy if you want to binge. <laughs> you can do it right here at On Screen and Beyond. So be sure to check that out. And once again, if you are looking for something for your little grandsons or daughters or or your kids, young kids, be sure to get them a copy of Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. It is out now in theaters right now across the country. It's at the Mall of America and also in California, northern and southern, and also in Minnesota and Missouri and Arizona and all sorts of places. And you can check those out, uh, but uh, then it's on uh, on demand uh, a lot of places till uh, I think in January sometime. And, of course, you can, like, uh, go to Apple TV and you can pick up a copy of it uh, on digital. Uh, and then uh, later on they'll be doing uh, Blu-ray, uh, DVD, like that, whatever. I'm not sure the, the actual things that are going to be coming out, uh, how they're going to do that, but uh, that's in the works. But uh, you can get your digital copy right now. So, uh, Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. It's a animated musical that uh, the, the family and the kids can enjoy and i hope you'll uh, we've had some great reviews people have been reviewing it uh, and uh, it's uh, you know everybody seems to think it's uh, coming pretty good so <laughs> it's, it's i'm a little biased so what you know what can i say but uh, be sure to get that it makes a great stocking stuffer and uh, it's not it's not you know not a whole lot of money for anything for that so uh, be sure to uh, get your hands on that one for them 
And that's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. And so until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>